or misplaced something that was special or important to you? And if you lost that, what did you do when that happened? I was thinking back to a moment in time, December 28th, a couple days after Christmas, 1994. My family was preparing for a move. I was in college at the time, home for break. And we had this very thing happen to us. It was the night before the move and all the boxes were ready and pretty well prepared. And the day before, on December 27th, it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. So my dad gave my mom this nice diamond anniversary band. And you know, when you get a piece of jewelry, it doesn't always fit on your finger just exactly the way you want it. So she was wearing it instead of on her ring finger, on her pinky finger. And we were getting ready. It was about 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night, and she was wiping off the kitchen counters at the very end of the day. And she looked down, and what was she missing? This anniversary band. And all of a sudden, she called out immediately to my father, Melvin, we have a problem. And all of a sudden, began this panic search to find this incredibly special ring. Where had she last seen it? When did she last feel it on her finger? Where in the world would you even begin to start? And this was the day that they had cleaned out all the refrigerator and all the freezer and all the chest freezer downstairs and taken several garbage bags out to the garage. So my dad, at 11 o'clock at night, decides to go out and start going through these garbage bags. My mom makes a call to this family that had invited us over for dinner that night from our church, wakes them up at 11 o'clock at night, and tells them to begin searching their house as well. I was still up, and so we are just looking everywhere for this ring. About 1.30 in the morning, my dad calls us all into the living room to sit down and to call off the search for the night. He said, everybody needs some rest. And I went to bed that night with my mom sobbing in the chair. All seemed lost. The next day, we were sitting there at breakfast, kind of a bit solemn, as you can imagine, and my younger brother, who had slept through the whole, you know, late night search, comes out and he holds something up to the light. He says, Mom, is this that ring that Dad gave you the other day? He had been walking through the laundry room and someone there between this little walkway between all these boxes had noticed something on the ground and it was my mom's ring. The lost had been found. And I can tell you there was a, there was a great deal of rejoicing that day in the Leach household. My mom gave my brother the biggest hug and kiss that a mom could give a son. My dad was so relieved he didn't have to go through any more garbage bags. And I got a chance to call the family that we had woken up the night before and give them the great news that the lost had been found. And it seemed like a really simple thing, but it was just a reminder to me of the gracious way that Jesus, he feels that same urgency for you and for me. And we're going to take a look at that in our scripture passage for this morning, that he feels the same way because he wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. And sometimes we wander away at different points in our lives or we just get lost or we get too busy for God. And he wants us to be found, to be in that relationship where we can come back and he experiences so much joy. This was Jesus' mission, to seek and to save the lost. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you 
for the way that you speak through your word. And I pray, Lord, that in the quietness of these moments together, that we might hear from you, that we might hear your message for our lives today. We ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. So in our scripture for this morning, we see that Jesus was talking to two audiences. Last week we looked at Luke chapter 14. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 15 this morning. And as I mentioned last week, whenever we hear Jesus' words, it's important to see who Jesus was talking to in that moment. And so this is who he was talking to, two different audiences. He starts out by saying, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. So first we see that people who didn't normally attend church or really have much religious training or upbringing, they were in the crowd that day because there was something about Jesus that made them feel loved, that made them feel accepted, that made them feel cared for, and they were drawn to Jesus because his teaching was different than what they had heard. It was different than what the other religious leaders were talking about in that day, and so they wanted to lean in and they wanted to listen and they wanted to hear what he had to say. And then there were also people from the church in the crowd listening to Jesus, religious leaders, in fact, the Pharisees who tried to follow every one of God's laws and tried to do everything that the Bible taught them to do. And so both of them were in the audience that day. And I think Jesus looked around him like a good teacher looks around the classroom and understands that there are people at different stages in a classroom, right? Different stages of learning, if we want to use that metaphor. And I think Jesus understood that there were people coming from two different perspectives that day. And so he looked out and he wanted to teach them and he, and he gave them two parables, two stories that, would want, that I think he wanted both audiences to think about. He wanted to challenge one audience and he wanted to inspire the other. So let's see where we find ourselves today. Jesus starts out in verse four. You probably heard a part of this story before. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So think about this as Jesus teaching those two audiences from this story. And he wanted to challenge them and he wanted them to think in a different way than they had been. Because in that culture, in that day, there was a sort of a tier system of, of differences in how you could relate to God. If you were really good, you were closer to God. And if you really weren't perhaps all that good based on you know, various points of the law, then you were further away from God. And Jesus wanted to help them understand that this was different, that God's heart was different. And so he uses this illustration, you know, if you think about it from the math perspective, if a sheep might have been worth $100, does it make any kind of sense to leave $9,900 worth of your livestock to go and pick up a sheep that's worth $100? Probably not. 
Would it have been worth the shepherd risking his, his life? You know, it could have run into all kinds of struggles there in the wilderness and all kinds of things. Is it, is it worth for him to give up his, his, uh, something that might happen to him or his livelihood for one sheep? It probably doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. Now, most of us, we don't deal directly with sheep these days. However, a lot of people get attached to their pets. How many of you have a pet at home that you love? I do. I have a six-year-old golden doodle, mini doodle, mini golden doodle. How many of us pet owners would not set aside everything else that was going on if our pet got lost? Is it possible that the shepherd was actually cared about these individual animals in his flock? In this case, the shepherd's search for the missing sheep was not just about profit. He wasn't thinking about himself. He understood that this flock that he had care for would not be complete without every single one of those sheep. And so that's why he went to go find the one who had wandered away. And for you and I and those who are attached to your pets, you'd you'd do the same thing that my mom did, set everything else aside to go and find this animal that you care for, that you love, that perhaps was lost. And the same thing Jesus was trying to express to the people. That it doesn't, it doesn't matter, there, there, is no, there is no tier system in how God sees us. Because every single one of us are precious to God. That's the nature of caring. The shepherd searches everywhere in order to bring healing and comfort and security to that animal or that person. And Jesus is saying, that's how God feels about you. He cares what you're going through. He knows the headaches that you have. He sees the tears that you silently shed. He knows the mistakes that you've made. He knows the pressure that you're under. He knows what you're going through and his heart aches when we get too busy or when we think that we don't have a need for God. You see, Jesus goes out and he goes out to search for every single one of us because of his great love for us. And I think somebody here needs to know today that God cares deeply about your situation. That God knows exactly what you're going through. Even if you don't want to share it too much with others, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. And the story reminds us that he cares deeply about it. And Jesus goes on to use another example in verse eight. He says, or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me for I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so he invites both of those audiences that are listening there today to talk about or to use this example about this woman's predicament in losing a coin. And while this may not seem incredibly significant to us, it becomes important when we understand the original meaning behind it. The coin was probably a part of this woman's bridal necklace. In that time and in that culture, the woman would have 10 coins that would come together to make a bridal necklace. 
And that was her dowry as her, on her wedding day, what she would wear. And that necklace represented, she would wear that throughout the marriage, and it represented fulfillment and wholeness. So if one of those coins was missing, it was also a reflection of something that she wore to symbolize her being married, to symbolize that gift on her wedding day. And it was an important part of a woman's legacy and what she would do and what, how she would wear that in that Middle Eastern tradition. So imagine if you were the woman like my mother, wouldn't you move furniture and sweep the whole house to go through sacks of garbage and stay up late to retrieve that what's precious to you? And Jesus is saying, that's how precious you are to me. And he said that to the good folks, the religious leaders who did everything to, possible to please God. And he gave that same message to those who had sort of not felt they were worthy to be part of the church. He said to those, both of those audiences, he says, but you're incredibly precious and special to me. There is no tier system, it doesn't matter. God is always pursuing us with his grace, a love for you and me that we don't deserve and that we can't earn. And he'll do anything to find us and to bring us home. That you are valuable and irreplaceable in God's sight and God's treasures are people. Jesus was showing the Father's heart that God's treasures are people, that you're important to God and your family is important to God and your neighbors are important to God and the man down the street that you don't know very well is important to God and the woman behind the counter at the store is important to God. How do we know this? It's because of the generous heart of God that we see in these examples that Jesus gave to the people who first listened to them. And sometimes in our lives, for different times or different reasons, we might feel overlooked. Or we wonder if anybody really cares. Or when we go to doctor after doctor after doctor and they can't seem to figure out what our problem is and we wonder, God, what's going on here? Why can't somebody help me fix this? And there are some times where we feel overlooked or we feel taken for granted of or we wonder if we're even making a difference. And the stories that Jesus was trying to communicate that day is you do. You do make a difference and you are valuable and you are treasured by the God of the universe. And that you are valuable and every person is valuable. That's the heart and the mission of Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he taught. That's why he shared. That's why he gave himself on a cross. Well, so that you and I could understand how precious we are to the heart of God. That was Jesus' mission. And as a church, as disciples of Christ, we are called to carry on that same mission with that same sense of urgency, with that same sense of importance that Jesus talked about here. And while he wanted the, the one audience who, who felt like they were, they were sort of shunned from the, from the temple or the church in that day, he wanted them to feel the gracious love of Jesus. But he also wanted to challenge the Pharisees and help them understand that there, there's, no, there's no system here. There's no tier system. He wanted to challenge them to begin to understand that every person was loved by God. And he was asking them, do you really care about the people out there? Do you really help people to feel special or are you just focusing on 
yourselves. He wanted to break through this compassionless thinking of the Pharisees and invite them to give grace and invite them to understand that the love of God was available to everyone. And I thought about that for our own lives too today, that Jesus asks us the same question. Those of us in the church, those of us who understand the, the love of God and have this relationship with God, that we are called to then invite all of those people around us into that love that we experience as well. And when we're perhaps tempted to, you know, get angry with another driver, I know that never happens to you. Or when we get impatient with the store clerk, because I know that never happens to us. Or when we're tempted to just spew off a few brief words to get it off our chest. Jesus reminds us to look at the heart of the person. You see, Jesus has a vision for this community. And that is to see as many people as possible to respond to his love and to be in relationship with him. And the only power that can really draw someone to God is love. It's understanding the sacrificial love that Jesus did and gave himself for you and for me so that we can then have that same kind of love for others. And when we genuinely love and when we clearly demonstrate that, people will feel the Father's love and forgiveness and feel at home. That's our mission statement here at Redeemer, connecting people to the love and life of Jesus Christ. And do we truly remember that? Do we truly live that out? Do we believe that there are people in this community who are disconnected from God, a God who loves and cares for them? Do we think about that, that there are people who are seeking to know God and they don't know of a church or a place to find him? There's a Middle Eastern proverb that reminds me of this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, a heart that loves finds a thousand ways. And a heart that doesn't finds a thousand excuses. We can always find excuses, can't we? The lesson from the classroom this morning is this, that the search is never over. The search is never over. Jesus never gives up on you and me, no matter what it is that we've done. And he calls us to continue his mission. And to do that in all the ways that we can. To notice when perhaps somebody is missing, and I know that's hard with COVID and we're sitting further away than we usually do, but you have friends in this congregation and maybe some people that you haven't connected with recently. Can you give them a call and see how they're doing and connect with them? It's about noticing people and being kind in the store with the person who puts their cart right in front of you or to be patient, or to say thank you when somebody delivers something to your house, and to just notice people, and to be extraordinarily kind. Do we notice when someone new comes and welcome them with open arms? Do we have kind of bridge-building events so we can touch people in our community who may never come through our doors? How can we share the love of Christ and make connections with people who are looking for hope? Because you see, people... We're Jesus' mission. And Jesus searched for you and for me and there's a great celebration in heaven whenever we say yes to Jesus. And there are more celebrations to be had. May we never get too comfortable here. May we always be stretched to be the kind of place where people feel welcomed and loved no matter what, even if they've been away or wandered away from God. 
And may we put the kind of effort and time and risk that are needed for the forgotten to be found.